Welcome everyone listening in to From Our Vantage Point, Vantage Point's podcast recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations, where we talk all things not-for-profit related. I'm Rowan King, the Communications Manager at Vantage Point and the From Our Vantage Point host. If you're a frequent listener of the podcast, you'll be familiar with the name Humanity Financial Management as the sponsor of this production. Humanity Financial is a chartered professional accounting firm dedicated to supporting social purpose organizations, Indigenous communities, and Indigenous-led organizations. They are a lovely group of people and we are honored to be able to provide these information sharing sessions thanks to their generosity. Earlier this month, I was joined by Gordon Hawley, President and CEO of Humanity Financial Management. If you don't already know Gordon from his work, you may know him from previous episodes of From Our Vantage Point, such as Maximizing Organizational Impact Through Financial Systems, or Financial Governance, Financial Management, and Financial Reporting. What's the difference? At Vantage Point, we consider ourselves lucky to have Gordon as part of our community. Gordon is a skilled financial expert with an absolute passion for and deep understanding of societies, not-for-profits, and charities. He's a chartered professional accountant and a certified professional bookkeeper fellow, and has worked in senior financial management roles for most of his 30-plus year career. His commitment to the not-for-profit sector is evidenced in the many board roles he has fulfilled, including until recently on Vantage Point's own board. And in the beginning of April, I had the fortunate opportunity to talk with him and learn about the five stages of financial well-being for social purpose organizations. Without further ado, let's head over to that conversation. Gordon, welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Roman. I'm very happy to be here. So when we were talking uh, about this podcast and planning it, you mentioned the five stages of financial well-being, and I was unfamiliar with that. Sorry, the five stages of financial well-being for social purpose organizations. Can you go into depth about the five stages and why knowing which stage you're at is important? Absolutely. So it's no secret that many non-accountants and social purpose organizations struggle with financial management and financial governance. They don't know whether their organization is financially strong or not, and they don't have the tools to evaluate that. So we defined the five stages to give people a sense of what the range of possibilities is so that they can make a conscious decision about which stage they'd like to be at and then chart a course of action to get there. So let's start with stage one. We've defined stage one as being in financial crisis. Now, financial crisis can have many symptoms and causes and often requires some acute intensive care. Uh, Financial fear and anxiety is high People may be concerned about their jobs or the viability of the organization. Cash flow shortages can usually be fixed through cash flow planning and budgeting and may require right-sizing the expense budget to fit the revenue coming in. And this can be painful. It can include layoffs, terminations. But if your expenses are exceeding your revenues, difficult choices need to be made to get you back on track. Financial fraud happens surprisingly often. According to a 2011 CGA Canada report, uh, over 26% of small to medium-sized businesses in Canada experienced a significant instance of financial fraud every 12 months. I think the number was 38% in BC. We see organizations fall behind in their financial reporting or their financial reporting is inaccurate and unreliable. We see some organizations that haven't had financial reporting for months or in extreme cases, sometimes years. We also see organizations with regulatory issues with the CRA, payroll reassessments, GST and PST liabilities, as well as falling behind in their charity and nonprofit required CRA financial reporting. And finally, we see organizations with funding compliance issues with major funders. So we just started working with one organization that has a three-year funding contract, and it reported to its funder that it had used up its maximum allocation of overhead for the three years, all in the first year. And now for the remaining two years has no funds to operate and keep the lights on. So it can only spend the remaining funds on programs. So usually at this point, uh, we come in and we help these organizations get out of crisis and move on to stage two. 
that does sound like a scary place to be in <laughs> for that client of yours, but I'm sure you're helping with that. Uh, it seems like financial crisis might be more commonplace than many people think. Are there warning signs to look for before finding yourself in this tight spot? Yeah, I think you're right, Rowan. Financial crises are significantly more commonplace than most people think. And there are a number of possible warning signs. Mostly we find that when financial reporting is behind or late, it's very likely a possible red flag. So now that the organization is working on getting out of financial crisis, what is stage two? So we've defined stage two as financial fragility. So once an organization comes out of crisis, more often than not, we find that uh, the organizations have financial systems that are neither efficient nor effective. And it's usually what got them into trouble in the first place. So most of the organizations in stage two have been systemically underinvesting in their finance function. They may be understaffed or the finance team may be underskilled and they likely haven't been making regular investments in their financial systems. So gradually the financial systems fall into disrepair. So organizations in stage two aren't in crisis anymore. They're minimally meeting all of their basic financial requirements, but they're still fragile. And if they're not careful, they could very easily slip back into financial crisis. Many organizations in stage two have finance team members who are underskilled for the work that needs to be done. We see organizations without a CPA as a treasurer or without at least a part-time controller or CFO. And these organizations often struggle because they often need more than just a good bookkeeper. Some of the symptoms of fragility include old manual, hard copy, paper-based financial systems rather than efficient, electronic, and highly automated systems. And this is an area many organizations have made progress in over the last couple of years since COVID hit in March, 2020. Mm. And people have started to work from uh, home, but many organizations still struggle with this. In fact, uh, bookkeepers and accountants are often the only ones going into the office these days because they need to deal with all the paper. We also see uh, budgeting and financial reporting frameworks that are not useful. Like often the chart of accounts just grows organically over time with no rhyme or reason. And financial reports don't summarize the information in meaningful or useful ways that help the organization make good financial decisions. So after working with organizations in stage two uh, for a while, we move from minimal financial compliance to robust financial compliance with efficient, effective financial systems. But in many organizations, there's still more work to be done. Everything from documenting financial position descriptions and financial roles and responsibilities and ensuring the organization has the people with the right financial skills in the right positions, documenting financial governance policies and documenting financial processes and procedures. All of these are important, but seldom urgent. And in many organizations, uh, they find it hard to keep their financial systems documentation up to date. Now, many organizations can get by without well-developed or well-documented systems until their senior financial person leaves and then no one knows how all the systems work. We're working with one organization uh, today where sadly two of their senior finance people got sick and died within a year of each other. Now this happened over a year ago and we're still trying to figure out a lot of how a lot of the allocations between the departments were done and we're having to develop many allocation systems from scratch because there literally was no documentation. Yikes. It sounds like a part of avoiding financial fragility might be adding financial systems as a key component to succession planning. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, documenting existing financial systems and financial processes and procedures, uh, having good internal controls and documenting clear financial roles and responsibilities, these really are the key to successful finance team transitions. So that's financial fragility. What's stage three? So stage three is financial stability. And at stage three, things are generally going well. The organization's feeling pretty good. Their financial systems seem to be working well. The fear and anxiety about their financial systems is gone and is replaced with a collective sigh of relief. 
and they're thrilled with the progress they've made. Organizations in stage three have achieved robust financial compliance. So they've got timely, accurate financial reporting for all stakeholders. They have the right finance team members with the right skills to meet their organizational needs. Their financial compliance systems are operating efficiently and effectively. They have well-documented financial policies and internal controls to prevent theft, fraud, and embezzlement. They have well-documented financial processes and procedures in case there's unanticipated finance team staffing changes. They're well-prepared for their audit every year with few audit adjustments made by the auditor. And they're in compliance with the regulatory environment and the organization has the financial literacy it needs to maintain the status quo. Okay, so it sounds like stage three is a great place to be in, but there are five stages altogether. So now I'm really curious, what's the next step? Yeah, great question. So up until now, organizations in the first three stages have been dealing with financial compliance. They've been working toward making sure their organization has the financial systems, the people, the processes to maintain the status quo efficiently and effectively. But organizations in stage three haven't been looking at their finances through a strategic lens. Stages four and five are strategic stages where organizations improve financial performance, become financially stronger, and use finances strategically to better achieve their mission. Stage four is financial strength. And organizations in stage four have set financial goals and are working to have better financial performance and become financially stronger. Now, financial performance is usually measured on the statement of operations, and it deals with revenues and expenses. So what does financial performance mean? It'll mean different things to different organizations, and each organization has to figure out what the key financial performance indicators are for its organization at this stage of its organizational life cycle. It often involves benchmarking the organization's financial performance against its own performance in history and benchmarking the organization against other similar organizations. For many social purpose organizations, there is much publicly available financial information. First, many organizations provide much of their financial information, including their audited financial statements and annual reports on their websites. Second, the CRA provides all T3010 financial data for 86,000 registered charities in Canada. You can just request it on their website. And there's also a service by Mark Bloomberg called charitydata.ca that provides all T3010 data for the last 10 or 15 years. So you can actually see the historical performance of specific charities over time. So the priorities are to figure out which financial key performance indicators are most important for your organization at this point in its development. Uh, We recently went through this process with one of the organizations that I'm on the board of. And after a few discussions at the finance committee, we narrowed it down to a handful of key indicators and we set specific goals for each uh, financial metric. And now we get a dash, we get dashboard like reporting every month so that we can see the progress towards our goals. And that organization is making great progress. Same thing with respect to financial health. Start by considering what the key indicators are for financial health for your organization. And these are typically related to the statement of financial position and deal with things like cash balances, working capital, liquid unrestricted net assets, or strategic operating reserves. Again, come to a conclusion about which key indicators you want to track, set some SMART goals, monitor your performance, and work toward achieving those goals. Organizations in stage four are strategically on the right track. We've got a limited number of key financial indicators and we've set some SMART goals and we're going to track and report on our progress toward achieving those goals. Organizations in stage four will likely see improvements in financial performance and increases in financial health and sustainability. These organizations will become financially stronger, less risky, and be better positioned to achieve their missions. 
Okay, I like the distinction between working toward financial compliance in the first three stages and working on financial strategy in the last two stages. So setting SMART goals, which are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely, is always a great plan for being strategic and thinking two steps ahead. So now that we are in a good place with financial stability and thinking ahead to what we have to do next to stay within that comfort zone, what does stage five look like? So stage five, we've defined as financial liberation. So in stage four, we set some financial goals for the financial performance and financial health, and we're working towards achieving those goals. In stage five, organizations start thinking about the long-term financial and organizational health and sustainability and about actual mission achievement. They're starting to scope a financial and organizational plan that will actually see them achieve their mission. So now we're cooking with gas. Financial liberation is about control and independence and self-determination. It's about having enough unrestricted income and financial resources to be able to call our own shots about how we can have the most positive impact on the communities that we serve. In stage five, we start thinking about what it would take for our organization to actually achieve our mission and to put ourselves out of business. Now, organizations in stage five are thinking about their organizational health and long-term sustainability. Do we have the capacity to continue to serve the communities we serve and start advocating for the system change we need to alleviate the need for the services that we provide? The first issue we want to tackle is to evaluate the organization's goal and mission achievement capacity. So we're asking questions like, do we have effective strategic plans or frameworks? Do we have effective operational planning and budgeting systems? Do we have an effective theory of change and logic models on how we create positive impact in the communities we serve? Do we have effective program evaluation systems to assess the impact we have? How is our performance management? Do we regularly achieve our short-term and long-term goals? How is our project management? Are most of our projects completed on time and on budget? The real key here is our ability to measure outputs and outcomes and impact and be able to demonstrate it to funders. Because guess who funders want to fund? They want to fund organizations that can demonstrate the highest impact per dollar of their funding. So if you can measure your impact and demonstrate your impact to funders, you'll be much more likely to land those big funding contracts and get the funding you need to achieve your mission. Now, let's look at long-term fund development. There's some amazing information available about nonprofit and social purpose business models and funding models. But most organizations just continue doing more of what they did last year. They don't necessarily take the time and effort to consider the following important questions. Given the impact we want to have, do we have the right business and funding model? What core fundraising capabilities and competencies should we develop? Do we have the best funding mix for our organization with respect to short-term versus long-term funding and with respect to restricted and unrestricted funding? Are we attracting funding from the best sources, given the nature of our cause? Are there other sources of funding that we should be considering? Are we using the right strategies to attract those sources? Have we considered how we might develop plans to generate our own sources of revenue and reduce our reliance on external funding sources? Have we considered our return on investment? How much effort do we have to put into attracting each source of funding? And do we have an effective case for support that makes our case to the most likely funders? Time spent evaluating all aspects of our long-term fund development strategies can have a significant impact on the efficiency and effectiveness of our fundraising. And all of this is largely dependent on how well we're able to measure and demonstrate our impact. But it's also dependent on our ability to generate our own unrestricted revenue from social enterprises, partnerships, sponsorships, and memberships. And finally, have we defined plans to advocate for and achieve the fundamental systems change that would put us out of business? So do we have the right people and plans to provide community education and engagement? Do we have the right plans to educate political leaders in all parties as to why the system change we're advocating for is important? We may not be able to do all of this today, 
we may not have the size or the scale to be able to mobilize enough support to effectively advocate for the system change we want, but we can start thinking about this today and making plans for the future. Organizations in stage five are thinking about the organizational capacities and competencies they will need in order to actually achieve their mission and put themselves out of business. So that's it. That's the essence of the five stages of financial well-being for social purpose organizations. I hope the people listening have been able to identify which stage their organization is at today. I also hope they've been able to identify which stage they'd like to be at and have some idea about what they could do to start moving toward that stage. Thank you for that uh, detailed explanation of the five stages of financial well-being. Clearly, stage five is the end goal. What are the most common barriers you see that prevent organizations from getting to financial liberation? Yeah, I think you're right, Rowan. Once you learn about the five stages, everyone wants to be in stage five. I think that's the benefit of this model is that it helps social purpose organizations stakeholders understand that there are five stages and that most organizations are still somewhere between stage one and stage three, focusing on not being in crisis and on financial compliance. The real win is to start getting organizations to start setting financial goals and start thinking about finances strategically to help with mission achievement. So there's the first barrier, education. I think the second barrier is that many organizations don't have access to a part-time CFO, someone who's trained to think strategically about finances. They assume that if they're getting regular financial reports and they get through their audit every year, that their finances are taken care of. So they assume that all they need is a good bookkeeper who's trained to focus on compliance. We generally think that most organizations would benefit from having at least a part-time CFO to give them some strategic financial advice on a periodic basis. That makes sense as a way for sector leaders to invest in capacity building to keep the momentum going in our organizations. What advice do you have for social purpose organizations that want to make progress from the stage they're at today? Yeah, so that advice is going to vary depending on the stage they're at today, but generally it's all about building the financial capacity of the organization and exercising and building that financial strategy muscle. So recruit people with higher levels of financial knowledge and expertise on your board and in your management team, and think about hiring a part-time CFO with significant nonprofit or charity experience. It would also benefit many organizations to consider shifting some of their spending from programs to capacity building generally, but particularly in the finance department. Interestingly, many organizations would have more impact by spending more on capacity building and less on programs. I know it's counterintuitive, but we've seen many organizations achieve more impact by building the, their organizational capacity first. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing your perspective on this important topic. Financial literacy is not an easy subject, and I was able to learn a lot, and I hope our listeners are able to say the same. And I want to go back to something uh, that you mentioned a couple times, which is that you know, this is all to kind of work ourselves out of the jobs, which is the goal of every nonprofit, right? And I think that when you're when your world is not, you know, finances, it can seem like this, um, you know, this extra thing that you just have to do. And, you know, it can be tedious, but it's a key cog in the in the in the machine that is your organization. And it's part of what will help you work yourself out of that job, right? So I think that it's an important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about that. Yeah, I, th I think you've just nailed it, Rowan. I think that's absolutely right. Well, thank you again and uh, have a great day. That concludes our episode on the five stages of financial well-being for social purpose organizations. Thank you all so much for listening into this month's episode with Gordon Holly, And thank you, Gordon, for sitting in and sharing your expertise. And an additional big thank you to Humanity Financial Management for being such avid supporters of our work at VantagePoint, including their generous role as sponsor of From Our VantagePoint. 
Thanks to Humanity Financial, we're able to bring you informative episodes like this one on a monthly basis. For all you listening in, Vantage Point is a not-for-profit organization based in Vancouver, BC that works to uplift the province's not-for-profit sector and its leadership. You can learn more at thevantagepoint.ca on our website. Also, make sure to keep your eyes peeled for our annual BOSS conference coming up on November 15th and 16th later this year. You can find updates and opportunities for early bird tickets coming up soon within the next few months in our monthly newsletters, which you can sign up for on our website. BOSS is a conference for not-for-profit leaders, both seasoned and emerging, as well as not-for-profit stakeholders to network and learn together. Thank you for listening in today, and I look forward to talking at you again next time.